Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. Welcome back to Overnight America with all of the different changes when we had a transfer of power between the Trump to the Biden administration, a lot of executive orders going around, and still a lot of them seem to be focusing on regulations and restrictions because of the coronavirus and our efforts to try to fight that. Joining us now is Litigation Council for the New Civil Liberties Alliance, and we're going to talk a little bit about the CDC and the power of that organization during this time. Caleb. Kruckenberg, thank you so much for coming on to KMOX. Thanks for having me. The CDC seems to issue a lot of statements and actually try to force all kinds of things when it comes to uh, regulations over the coronavirus. And I'm curious from your stance, what are some of those things that the CDC has power to do and things that they certainly don't have power to do? Well, you know, the CDC is a public health organization. So... You know, I, I think we can we can all get together and say, well, maybe they should be, um, you know, making recommendations about health policy and about, um, you know, things we can do to actually mitigate disease. And, you know, it's typically about research and maybe quarantining things, you know, quarantining people if they're sick or something like that. But what, what the CDC has done is they've taken that mission and they've just gone way beyond it. And you mentioned the eviction moratorium. And, you know, for, for those of you who don't know, back in September, the CDC said states are not allowed to have housing court um, and they're not allowed to evict tenants for non-payment of rent. And if states allow people to go through that process, their own state court process, it's now a federal crime, according mm-hmm. to the CDC. There's a lot of question to that because sometimes they would want to start the process knowing uh, that they wanted to evict someone, uh, but the processing wouldn't happen. They wouldn't serve. They wouldn't. They would know it would go nowhere in court. I didn't realize it got to the point where you'd be committing a federal crime to try to go forward with that. And there was a lot of examples where it was just flat out terrible, the, the conditions of some of these living quarters. And they would go through and even locally here documented where it just it, it was terrible. It's like a bomb went off inside these places. And then the landlords were just helpless to do anything. Now they extended out even further. And it made me wonder. That's a weird type of order for the CDC. You think it would come from another agency. But even though if it did come from the CDC, uh, is that even legal? Are they allowed to do something like that? 
Well, the short answer is no. And you're right. I mean, it's it's been devastating to a lot of people. Um, you know, I represent a number of people in a lawsuit over this CDC order right now. And, you know, my clients are just suffering. They're landlords who haven't been paid in some instances for going on a year now. And you're right. I mean, their properties are, are being destroyed in some instances. But the CDC just doesn't have this power. Um, there's a law that Congress passed back in the 1940s that says the CDC has some very limited authority to uh, take emergency measures like quarantining livestock, impounding goods, potentially stopping people who are sick from, from moving around the community. And that's pretty much it. And the CDC has said, this actually gives us the power to do anything we can think of as long as we argue that it's for public safety. And so they've decided that an eviction moratorium is in their power. You know, we saw other agencies try to use these wide breaching, um, you know, kind of broad stroke laws in the past. And what comes to mind to me is the EPA would try to do that, where they would take things like navigable waters and they would try to use it as a way as a giant land grab and overregulation. And I think, man. We've really set the stage for all of these other organizations to take the same suit, go out there and use it as a way to overregulate. And you got to realize that if these poor landlords, I feel bad for some of them that they uh, know that it's going to be very difficult for them to recoup some of the losses with this. I mean, in, imagine if you're an individual and you're going to be back six, seven months rent like you're going to ever be able to pay that back. Now, think of all the other law. Think of all the other litigation that's going to be held up when they have to try to recover some of that. It's just going to be a complete mess in the courts. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, an eviction is really the only choice that a lot of landlords have when their tenants aren't paying, because for the most part, if tenants had money, they would pay. I mean, that's nobody likes to go through the eviction process. But sometimes at the end of it, a landlord will get a judgment and they never expect to get that money. I mean, we all sort of know the reality of that situation. And what's happening now is for a lot of my clients, they've had to provide free housing for people for, like I said, almost a year. That's tens of thousands of dollars that they'll never see, but they cannot get that person out. And now when it's still the end of March, and they can't rent the apartment, they're just losing money every single month. And, you know, some of them I don't think are going to survive. I think they're going to lose their, you know, because they have mortgages of their own, I think they're going to lose their property, and it's going to get foreclosed. I mean, that's the fallout. Yeah, if you were to even look at this a little bit further and realize the repercussions of what could be happening here, so let's just say hypothetically there are a lot of people, I don't know if it's in the millions that are behind in rent, we'll just say hundreds of thousands because I'm sure there's a lot over this country and between the rents and the mortgages and things like that. So what happens when eventually this moratorium is lifted and they are eventually uh, served papers and then finally there's a backlog? It could probably even take longer to try to get through some of those because who knows how long it'll take for them to go through all of the evictions at one time. Now, let's say there's the individuals that are now no longer allowed to be in these residents. They're told to leave. And then what happens? They're going to have to live somewhere. So what what's going to happen is they'll apply to go somewhere else. And you think that landlord's going to pick that person up? They're going to say, okay, you're back on nine months of rent. Like you're ever going to be able to pay me. So then what happens? 
so I think that we're putting ourselves in a very dangerous situation down the road. Absolutely. I, at the end of March, this is going to be a catastrophe. I mean, there are going to be all of these people that are, are going to face eviction suddenly. It's going to be a huge number because it's been gathering for the last year. And these people aren't going to have any place to go. And, you know, this is not a solution. And, and I think really this just illustrates what happens when you have an agency like the CDC sticking its nose where it doesn't belong. You know, they're setting nationwide housing policy and they're telling states that they're not allowed to pick their own policy. And it shows that this is not their expertise. They don't know what they're doing. And, and what they're doing is they're shifting a problem onto you know, they're picking winners and losers. They're saying, you know, it's a problem that people can't pay their rent and we're going to make that the landlord's problem only. And we're going to make them pay. Yeah. And and that's not the way government is supposed to work. Yeah, there is a debt there and it's going to be something I'm sure the courts are going to be overwhelmed for a while. And even if you're a homeowner and you think, okay, I'm fine, I'm good, you know, I have a mortgage and everything's fine. I'm not worried about this rental situation. Well, I, let me just throw this out there too. Imagine there's a flood of people that are evicted or they lose their homes or their ability or whatever it is. Think what happens when there's all of this availability and no one wants to move into these places or can't because they can't afford to. Then what does that do for the housing values when there's a, a flood of people trying to sell homes or there's uh, eviction, I, I guess, um, foreclosures, things like that. We're going to have another housing crisis because all of a sudden your home is going to lose value because the, the, the availability is going to be so high and it definitely is going to drive costs down. And there's not going to be people there lining up to buy them. So this could hurt a lot of people. Right. This, this is going to have, I think, repercussions in our economy for years to come. And yeah. it, it just didn't have to be this way. And, and to the extent that there's a problem, I mean, obviously people are out of work and we all live in, this, in the pandemic. But if the solution to this problem needs to come from Congress. Congress is the one that is supposed to be making these decisions. It's not administrative agencies. It's not the CDC telling states that they're not allowed to use their own state courts. That's, that's mm -hmm. just wrong. And it's, it's wrong because the CDC doesn't have that power, but it's also, um, you know, it, it really goes against the constitutional premise that when we give people access to courts, when we give people court process, we can't just take it away from them. We can't tell mm -hmm. them, you're not allowed to go to court anymore. Yeah. You know, I wonder how this will be remedied. And as much as we're throwing money out like crazy, uh, money we, we just don't have, but we're throwing it out. I wondered if there was a way, and I don't even know if this could be done with renters, but if it was any other thing and you owed someone money, they would just put a lien on your property. And I'm thinking, wow, could they do that towards a future tax credit for some of these people? Because ultimately, you know, the government's going to try to bail out as many people as they can to try to fix this. And that's going to be probably the fourth or fifth stimulus package down the road. And everyone else is looking at it themselves and thinking, man, we just can't afford this. It's just, it's a mess that we're making a lot worse and we're making it too hard for ourselves. Well, no, I, I uh, agree. And yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I, I want to say there is hope because the, the reason probably I'm talking to you is, is my organization, you know, we're fighting this, we're fighting this in the courts. Um, like I said, I'm representing a number of landlords and we believe this is unlawful and we're, we're pushing forward a challenge 
to try to set this precedent, not just in this specific context, but we're trying to get the precedent out there that agencies like this can't just um, extend their power like this. They can't stick their nose where they don't belong. Yeah, it makes me wonder, too, any other industry, if it was the uh, auto industry, if they could do, hey, uh, you can't be without a car because of an emergency. So all leases, if you stop payments on your car, we're not going to repo them or whatever. And we're talking about property that's owned by someone else. And that's very dangerous when the government sweeps in and says you don't have the authority or power to control your own property, even when it does violate the agreement you had with someone else. So uh, just real quick, the new Civil Liberties Alliance, if people wanted to find out some of the things you're fighting for, where can they go? So go to our website, uh, nclalegal.org. We have information about the eviction moratorium, our litigation there, and other cases. Because as you said, this is something that a lot of administrative agencies do. They do things like this. And my organization exists solely to fight against administrative overreach. Very good. And it's important because there is a lot of overreach. We need people paying attention to this. And that's why uh, organizations like this and people like you that come onto the show and talk about some of the concerns that you have. Caleb Kruckenberg, thank you so much for coming on to KMOX. Thank you very much. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. And I think that we know that this is going to be a lingering problem. I don't think we believe that when this moratorium is lifted, everyone's just magically going to have all the money to hand over the money that is owed. So that puts people into some pretty terrible positions, terrible positions all the way, all the way around. And think of it this way, too. You're just adding more debt to yourself and you owe it to someone and they're going to have to collect somehow. It's not like you're going to get it forgiven because then what is the government just going to pay the landlords? That doesn't work either. When we come back, I saw this story on KSDK about a six-year-old that's really into NHL goal horns. This is actually pretty cool. And then joining us a little bit later in the show is Dr. Jesty. He's the author of a book called Wiser, The Scientific Roots of Wisdom. And that's going to be in about uh, 15 minutes from now. I'm really looking forward to that one. This is Overnight America, KMOX. St. Louis's Morning News. Total Information AM. Weekday mornings at 5 on KMOX and KMOX.com. Well, I thought that was a good conversation. It's a serious issue. I think that the housing problem that we may be walking ourselves into right now is a, a huge concern. We may have to get an expert on just to talk about that by itself, as opposed to the CDC or any regulation. We should really look at it from a, hey, what could the projections be if this moratorium's lifted? And then there's a giant flood of people looking for places to go. But who's going to want to look at that and say, well, you owe a landlord like eight months of back rent. There's probably no chance you're going to pay me. I don't think I'll rent to you. Then what happens? I got a lot of people moving back with their mom and dad. And let's say there's a lot of vacancies. How good is that? It's uh, I think a lot of things, maybe it's just we're looking at it in a too large of a scale. Maybe there's not as many people that will be affected by this than we believe there is, but there's got to be a lot. I'm sure of it. Well, I saw this one story on KSDK, the great headline, St. Louis six-year-old is a NHL goal horn savant. So apparently he can listen to any goal horn from any team and he can name that team. And I thought, well, KSDK is doing a story about a kid in a garage wearing a blues jersey, taking shots on his older brother. He's six. I think his older brother's like eight or something like that. Yeah, eight-year-old brother. And they're just playing hockey in the garage. And he memorized all the goal horns for other teams. And I'm so happy 
they decided to do a story on this honestly. I'm six years old. We really needed to clarify that because, well, this kid playing hockey is kind of amazing. Amazing when it comes to recognizing the 30 different goal horns in the National Hockey League. Canadian! Yeah. That is right. <laughs> Probably about uh, two months ago, he was just uh, playing around on his Kindle and he came into the bedroom and he, was, uh, wanted to, he wanted me to quiz him on all the different goal horns and I was astonished. Panthers. We're talking. He's pretty good. Kids pick up on these things. It's amazing what they could learn. It's amazing what they could remember, too. My son's six, same age. The things that he picks up on and can remember is just, to me, astonishing. And I love when he impresses me. I don't know if he's really into things like he's into other things. He's into all kinds of uh, and he has a better memory than I do. Not even close. He's got a better memory than I do. You want to know how bad my memory is? I went to do a load of laundry today. And I came downstairs and I started taking the wet laundry out of the washing machine into the dryer. And then I remembered, oh, I can't believe I forgot to put detergent in. So I had to rewash the clothes. I forgot to put detergent in the washer. And I keep thinking to myself, I need to be really nice to my wife because when the Alzheimer's finally kicks in and she's taking care of me, I want to make sure she takes care of me right. And she doesn't resent and hate me for it. So I better be really nice to her now because these this is as good as it's going to get between us. <laughs> oh, boy. But I know this guy. No, but this kid is great, isn't he? All 30. And they all kind of sound alike. <laughs> when Sam and his eight-year-old brother, Jack, are not playing hockey, they're playing general manager in all sports. They will um, put together starting rotations, uh, lineups, bench players. They do uh, all four lines in hockey, uh, oh. goaltenders, bench players. Oh, that is so cool. I did that when I was younger, when watching, I'd come up with my own lines. People I, I think would be good. There was this one NHL card game that came out for a while, and they had like stats, and you'd be able to build your own fantasy teams. It was kind of a cool thing. I used to play that and come up with my own. Like I'd do fantasy drafts and come up with like, you know, six teams. And they'd, they'd simulate games against each other. It was like a dice rolling card game. Such a nerd thing, but it was fun to do those things. I wasn't that young when I did it. Six is very impressive. And part of the video with KSDK, he's wearing his Tarasenko jersey. Smart kid. And he looks pretty talented for a six-year-old. Man, he could play in that garage. So good for him. If you wanted to go see that, they have that on their homepage. It's well worth your time. Good for that kid. And good for KSDK to decide to put up a story like that. It's exactly what I needed. Joining us after the break is Dr. Jesties, the author of a book called Wiser, The Scientific Roots of Wisdom, Compassion, and What Makes Us Good. Finally, we can talk something other than politics. This is great. And get our mind off of everything else in the world. Let's just talk about the scientific roots of wisdom. Up next, after the weather, on Overnight America KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all、well、qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing, no hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Welcome to Overnight America. This is a very fascinating book looking into wisdom. And it's out now. It came out in November. You can find it online called Wiser The Scientific Roots of Wisdom, Compassion, and What Makes Us Good. Dr. Dilip Jesty, thank you so much for coming on to KMOX. Thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be on your show. I like that you studied wisdom because I feel like that's an important topic. Because,、um, in, in a lot of different ways, people look at wisdom differently. Some people look at it as biz,、uh, you know, book smarts. Some people look at it as, you know, my grandma was wise. She'd sit down and say the right thing at the right time. She had experience. She knew what she was doing. So, what really makes one wise? That's really an important question. The word wisdom is used differently by different people. And what we have found is that wisdom is different from intelligence or smartness. Wisdom needs intelligence, but the most intelligent people are not the wisest people.、Mm. Wisdom When, is a person. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Wisdom, I cut you off there. No, no that's okay.、Uh, wisdom is a personality trait. It's a personality trait like resilience, optimism, or extroversion, introversion. And it has individual specific components. They include self reflection, the ability to look inward and understand your own behavior. It includes emotional regulation, that is, control over emotion. It also includes empathy and compassion, things that we do for others rather than for ourselves. It includes a balance between decisiveness and accepting uncertainty.、Mm-hmm. And lastly, it includes spirituality, which means connectedness with someone or something. Constant connectedness with, say, God or nature or soul or consciousness. So, wisdom is a personality trait with these specific components. Hmm. When you say personality trait, does that mean at a young age you can tell that someone's going to be wise? 
to some extent yes uh, however wisdom like other traits can be modifiable so there are some young people who are wise and some who are not but everybody has the potential for increasing their level of wisdom at any age hmm. is that something you could just lose or ignore if it's a trait because i wonder if it is something indeed that is there and it's already inside of you and some of these other traits that are connected to it is it something you would have to ignore or is there like a switch that's flipped one day and all of a sudden they come together and you're wise no usually it doesn't come just like that most of the traits about 50% are determined by our genes so we are born with those traits to 50% extent but the rest 50% changes it changes according to the environment and behavior mm-hmm. so although some part of the trait will continue some part of trait will change can change and we can make it better that's interesting i wonder too based on people that you meet in your life they're very good at memorizing the right things to say they i think there some people could be good at almost faking it as given the impression that they're wise is that a possibility where or is it just that some people can pick up on it make it look easy and technically they are i think the main thing lies in being honest about what you have so one of the things we have done in our research is develop a measure of wisdom so you can there's a scale that we have developed it's called san diego wisdom scale or st wise and that scale has these components that are described so if you complete the scale you can find out what you score on each of the components of wisdom like self reflection emotional regulation empathy compassion and so on and that scale is based on your reports about whether you agree or disagree with certain statements that are in the scale. So one can lie and make a false presentation to other people, but that's not going to help you because you need to be honest in judging your own personality because then only you can get better. You know, I wonder too, because the there was always this debate when I was younger, but you never hear it anymore. They would bring up the debate of nature versus nurture when it came to personality traits and how kids were growing up. I don't think I've heard that phrase in the past like decade or two, but I'm kind of curious, does that play into some of the different traits you look into when looking at wisdom, nature and nurture of a of a person? Absolutely. I think both nature and nurture contribute to wisdom. Another way of looking at it is biology versus environment and it is really not one versus another because both affect each other our brain affects our behavior but the behavior affects the brain if we keep ourselves active the brain will continue to grow even in older age to some extent and if the brain keeps on growing and by brain growing i mean increase in number of synapses neurons blood vessels if that happens they'll also affect our behavior so it's really a question of relationship between the two which goes in both directions And, you know, I look at the title of the book, and joining us here is uh, Dr. Jesty, and the book is called Wiser, The Scientific Roots of Wisdom, Compassion, and What Makes Us Good. And the last part of it, when it says what makes us good, 
I'm wondering when you start to see the common things and the traits that go into wisdom, you would normally think of them as tr good traits to have for a person. Is it, um, is it technically also the opposite could happen? You can have those same traits, but then you can use them for not good. You can actually use them for bad. You can use them for the wrong intentions. Would you technically still be wise under the definitions you're giving? That's a very important question. If you look at the traits, if all of them are there, the person has to be wise. However, uh, an unwise person can have some traits. Actually, the best example of that are psychopaths, antisocial personalities. They have great emotional regulation. Sometimes they are very intelligent. They can understand other people's emotions. However, they totally lack empathy and compassion. They don't help other people, they hurt other people. So such a person may have other components of wisdom, but if he doesn't have empathy and compassion, that person is not wise. So wisdom is really confluence of all these traits and not just two or three or four of them. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm wondering what made you interested to study this in a scientific way because for a lot of people it is relative to some, there's not like a definition they've been able to put on it they just knew if they met someone or knew someone they were wise because they had some relationship to them could have been a family member or a close friend or a neighbor and they always looked at them as being wise but how, why did you decide to start researching this and spend a lot of your life looking into a way to scientifically quantify wisdom so I grew up in uh, India, uh, and in Eastern cultures, older people are thought to be wiser, and there is great respect for old age. Later on, I became a geriatric psychiatrist, so I study older people and their brains and minds. And when I went into geriatric psychiatry, some friends said, why are you doing that? Geriatrics is so depressing. The only thing that happens with aging is everything goes down. There is decline, degeneration, there's dementia, depression, diseases. And I said, that's not entirely true. I know of older people who are doing great. There are people in their 80s and 90s who are functioning at a high level. They're contributing to the society. So there is something that actually improves with aging. And then I mm -hmm. really got obsessed with this notion about studying things that get better with aging. So hmm. we developed a center for healthy aging. And one thing that struck me as being associated with aging may be wisdom. And so I decided to study scientifically whether the hypothesis that wisdom increases with aging is true. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got into research on wisdom. How many years of your life have you dedicated to this research? Uh, specifically, wisdom, I have been studying for 20 years now. Mm -hmm. It's a long uh, time. And it's a, it's a long time, and still there is a lot to know. Um, so wisdom has been a religious and philosophical construct ever since, actually, the humanity started. You know, uh, in the Bible, there are 14 books of wisdom, such as the Book of Job and Solomon's Book, etc., uh, and that's true in other religions also. However, scientific research in wisdom is very new. 
started only in the 1970s. And I was interested in looking at wisdom from a combined social and biological perspective. I wanted to mm-hmm. find out whether it is based in the brain and where in the brain and what can we do to increase wisdom. Yeah, there used to be photographs where um, I, I don't exactly know what they were, but they looked like these giant clamps that they would put over your head and measure the size of it. You know, there was there's weird science many years ago that would try to figure things out in, of course, a non-scientific way. They were just measuring the head. And I think about all the different advancements we've made in science, and I guess I could try to use uh, space as an analogy because there's so much that's unknown, but they always continuously try to learn more about it by studying what they can observe, at least from here on Earth, and things they can observe from outer space with satellites and whatnot. So for your studies and the things you've looked at for the past 20 years, what are those things about wisdom that you still don't quite understand that you're just striving to try to figure out? So we have now found out that certain parts of the brain are critical for wisdom. Uh, And without going into technical details, those parts are prefrontal cortex, which is kind of the newest part of the brain in evolution. That is what makes us human. Also involved, though, is a part called striatum or amygdala, which is the oldest part of the brain in the evolution. So wisdom, in a way, is a combination of the newest and oldest parts of the brain. However, there is so much that we don't know yet in the sense, how do these parts end? And exactly which subcomponents, what chemicals are involved? How can we increase those chemicals if they are involved or decrease them in order to increase wisdom in people? So there's a lot, you know, wisdom means knowing that you don't know so much more. Mm-hmm. And neuroscience is evolving. The good news is that science is evolving. We will know much more about this in 20 years than we do today. Uh, yeah. But we need to continue that progress. And I'm, I'm curious on your own standpoint. You mentioned some of the books of the Bible and faith and how that plays a part of it. Are, are you someone that is a Christian or a believer? Uh, no, I, could, I come from India. I am a Hindu by religion, but I'm not uh, sort of very, uh, I would say, strongly religious person. I, right. Uh, yeah, and when we start to cite and look at things, um, it, you know, I am someone that is a Bible believer as a Christian, and I mm-hmm. look at some mm-hmm. of these books that were written, I mean, hundreds and thousands of years ago, and I, I read about things that, to me, had ultimately a lot of wisdom built into it because uh, so much can apply to our own lives, our own persons, our own uh, time, and I keep thinking there's something supernatural about it and, and the way that these things were written. And when faith plays a part of wisdom and the understanding of it, how can you scientifically measure something like that and how it could play a part of a person's personality? Sure. So there are two parts to uh, an answer to your question. The first is you are absolutely right that these books on wisdom, from Bible to books in other religions also, they talked about wisdom and the concept of wisdom in the scripture is nearly identical to the modern Western concept. Actually, we have written some papers on that. How the basic concept of wisdom has not changed from times immemorial to the modern Western science. And that's what made us think that wisdom must be based in the brain. That is why it has not changed. The second mm. item you raised was about faith. And I think faith... 
again talking about spirituality number of studies have shown the spirituality like the rest of the wisdom is associated with greater well-being greater happiness better health and even greater longevity so this is not just a feel good sort of finding it's actually hardcore science uh, and one of the things we want to look at is understanding where in the brain things like faith are best and again that's where the science is evolving and i'm very hopeful that in the coming years we will know more about that that would be great do you mind holding on after the break i'd love to keep talking to you about this sure Uh, Dr. Dilip Jesty is joining us, author of a book called Wiser, which you can find out now, The Scientific Roots of Wisdom, Compassion, and What Makes Us Good. You can find it online. And Dr. Jesty, by the way, if people wanted to look you up online, where can they find you? So I work at uh, University of California, San Diego, UCSD. So they can put my name on Google, and I have a Wikipedia uh, entry, uh, and I have a website for the book called wiser the book so perfect you, you can sure. yeah wiser the book and you can find it uh, online <laughs> and just punch that in there we'll continue with dr jesty right after the break it's overnight america kmox this is overnight america sponsored by michael's flooring the flooring experts michael's flooring outlet.com on kmox <laughs> The book is out now, and you can find it online. Actually, it's pretty easy if you go wiserthebook.com, and that's where you'll find the book called Wiser, The Scientific Roots of Wisdom, Compassion, and What Makes Us Good. Dr. Dilip Jesty, again, thank you for sticking around and spending time with us tonight on Overnight America. Of course. It's a pleasure, Ryan, to have you have me there. Yeah, and I got to say, I don't think I've ever spoke to a doctor or even knew that this was something that you could study. Is this a big field? Are there a lot of people studying wisdom? There are people who are studying wisdom. However, typically physicians and neuroscientists have not got into this area. And the people who are studying wisdom have been gerontologists, psychologists, and sociologists. but not as i said biologists or neuroscientists or physicians and right. that's what i find actually interesting that wisdom actually has relevance for medicine it has relevance for health and longevity i wonder too is there any practical application for artificial intelligence when they try to make machine learning and things like that and when you start studying the brain and the way it works and how things are laid out is there any practical application for the way people are programming computers to try to think like people actually that's an important question that we have been studying for the last several years uh we have at UCSD an IBM UCSD center on artificial intelligence for healthy living and and the co-director of that one thing we are looking at is the, the fact that the artificial intelligence today is only intelligent and as i said earlier wisdom is more than intelligence it has other components so the question is can we make the machines wiser and the answer mm-hmm. is to a large extent we can do that So I see the future of artificial intelligence as artificial wisdom. We can, the machines will not have consciousness. They will not have soul or emotions of their own. Of course not. However, 
they can make their human owners, human masters, human um, people sort of who own um, these robots. Mm-hmm. These robots can make their human users more compassionate, more empathic, more self-reflective. It is like this. We can teach our, and we do teach our children to be more compassionate, empathic, self-reflective. We can teach the machines too. Not for themselves, but for their human users. Yes. Yeah, I wonder too, because people are competitive in a way, and they may think, okay, um, I can achieve this. In fact, not only can I achieve it, I could even be wiser than that. I can, I could be the most wise person in the world. Is that the wrong way to look at it? I think so, because this is something Socrates said <laughs> that anybody who thinks he's wise is not a wise person, because a wise person knows how much he doesn't know, and so that's actually part of self-reflection and also humility that comes with not knowing things. At the same time, one can become wiser. So the question is, how do we improve our abilities? How do we help other people improve their abilities? And for engineers, as you mentioned, how can we make our machines more wise and more compassionate to their human users? You know, I had to look up the Bible verse because I knew there was one, and, and essentially it goes, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And, you know, that's yeah. a reference, of course. But uh, it's I, I think about things like that and the way wisdom is brought up and all the different references to it. For us, I guess it's probably a nice thing to know that we as individuals all have room to grow. We have that ability in us to do these things. That, that's exactly right. And we can do that at any age. We, both men and women can do that. Actually, there are suggestions, there are data showing that women tend to be more compassionate and maybe even wiser than men. But men also can do that. And whether you are young or old doesn't make a difference. You can still become wiser if you make an attempt to do so. Right. And we probably, um, it, it's nice to put that into perspective to understand it from that standpoint. And I want to make sure if people wanted to find your book, is the easiest place to go wiserthebook.com? Yes. You can also get that on Amazon. Right. Amazon, I see Barnes and Noble, independent bookshops uh, as well. There's all kinds of different places here in St. Louis to keep an eye out for it. What I like to do is promote the website because then people can see what the cover looks like. Then they could go into their local bookstore if they want to pick it up. But, you know, Amazon's easy, too. They'd ship it right to your home. Or you can send it to someone else you know. That's always a nice, uh, convenient thing. Sure. Yeah. So you spent 20 years uh, researching wisdom. Are you going to spend the rest of your life researching wisdom? Yeah. I mean, that's a part of my research. I also study other aspects of healthy aging, and also my area of other area of research is actually serious mental illness, schizophrenia, uh, wow. and look at the biology of schizophrenia. But what I find that even in people with schizophrenia, there is wisdom, and with age, the wisdom increases, even in seriously mentally ill people. And so that's actually the thing that has impressed me most, that anybody can become wiser, all that we need is an effort to do that and a motivation to do so. Oh, that's wonderful. And and I, I love that, the motivation us. to do so. That, uh, so many people need that sort of thing. And I, I got to say, 
the time that we were able to spend here tonight, I really loved this past half hour. And wiserthebook.com is where people can find your work. Dr. Dilip Jesty, again, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan, for having me. It's really a pleasure. Great, awesome interview. It was needed at this time. Uh, wiserthebook.com, and you can find out his work and get links to it right there. This is Overnight America, KMOX. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.